नमस्ते जय शिवाय होप यू ऑल आर डूइंग योर साधना एंड योर स्पिरिचुअल जर्नी इज कंटिन्यूइंग इन विद द ग्रेस ऑफ परमात्मा सो टुडे वी आर गोइंग टू टॉक अबाउट द थ्री डिफरेंट वर्ड्स और इवन फोर फाइव डिफरेंट वर्ड्स दैट आर यूज्ड फॉर God, you know. Now, God is an English word, right? And uh, what the exact meaning of it and the way we refer to it, that I will explain in the end of this video. But uh, the three different words like Brahm, Paramatma, Bhagwan, Ishwar. What is the difference between all of these words and why there are even three four different words that we people use when uh, even describing so many you know spiritual uh, concepts or if you read uh, vedanta or you read uh, upanishads or you read brahman text or aranyakas or some other spiritual scriptures which are vedic or you know from india if you read them then you'll see these three four different words being uh, explained through the we are referring to parmatma or brahm or referring to him that ultimate supreme divine one reality as with these three four different terms so why there was a need or even you know somebody's desire to use these these three four and how different words actually are connected to moksha or mukti the ultimate liberation so we are not just discussing them for the sake of you know okay what is the difference between all these three four words you you can google that you will find lot of references to each and every term that is being used so that is not the point here we are discussing it from the point of view of um, the kind of mukti or kind of moksha that one attains when it, uh, it 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 relates to brahm or when it relates to parmatma or when one merges into you know bhagwan so why why three words and why so we'll first focus on these three brahm parmatma and bhagwan so let's it start with brahm now in lot of text brahm is the word that or word or the term basically that is defined that is used for one state of that ultimate supreme divine reality or god okay so brahm parmatma and bhagwan are three different states of one and the same being for example you may go to you know your college and somebody may refer to you by your nickname you you is you are living in your house and people parents and family talk to you and they refer to you by your nickname you go to college and uh, they call you by some other name or you go to your office and you become mr x miss miss y or whatever and people refer to you that way and you are, and then when in the evening you again come back home so you see there are two three you are the same being same person right 
but based on your function your role and the way you are in the environment in the homely environment or in the you know college or office setup or again back at home or some event or something or you may be an actor and you go to act in a movie and you are being a robber there but that is not what you become that's a wrong and bad example i'm giving but again just to help you understand that you remain the same regardless of what role you perform regardless of the way you look or the way you are in one place or the other you remain the same exactly in the same way brahma parmatma and bhagwan all three are actually being referred to, are being we are referring to just one and the same supreme god or supreme being or the supreme reality or god you can say okay but we do not mean three different types of gods or three different types of uh, stuff no so brahma is the nirgun one nirakar brahma is nirgun and nirakar it it is that which is formless in that state god is being completely formless and devoid of any characteristics or qualities that can be perceived by any beings that he himself has created using the senses you know five senses six senses that we humans possess or some some more senses that butterfly possess or some other beings possess some senses this that celestial beings possess so in the nirgun and nirakar state he is called as brahma okay and the sankhya or some darshans use the word nirgun nirakar so many scriptural uh, uh, spiritual scriptures refer to him as nirgun nirakar instead of calling him brahma in that state okay so that is first state another state is parmatma parmatma is sagun sakar means the one that has a form and that has a form and that has qualities but still the form is unconceivable inconceivable you know by human senses that these five gross senses that we have got it's still inconceivable it's still not be but we cannot perceive <clears throat> parmatma uh, the form of parmatma that way okay we can though perceive what his qualities his characteristics that he is able to create this universe right he is able to sustain this universe and he is able to destroy the universe so srishti palan and sahar means all three functions creation sustenance and destruction can happen through parmatma it's that form so it you can say that it's the working mode of brahm right functional mode of brahm is called as parmatma now there comes a word parmeshwara so some texts some scriptures some people call parmatma as param ishwara and some people even shorten it instead of saying uh, parmeshwara parmeshwara all the time they just refer to him as ishwara okay so again ishwara is the one who is busy 
with all these functions of creation, of, uh, uh, you know, sustenance and destruction and giving mukti and moksha to spiritual uh, seekers and to, you know, creating all this, um, it may be termed as maya by those who see the world as an illusion and uh, can be seen as a reality or it, it depends how where, how far you go and how much you realize the truth on your own, not just by reading something or referring to something, right? So Paramatma is the functional aspect of Brahma, right? Now comes the third one, which is Bhagwan. Bhagwan is even much more functional and uh, you can say functional at the level of very much in a visible form. Bhagwan is visible with these naked eyes to those who really want to see. For example, all the avatars that we have got, like um, Bhagwan Krishna. Why is he called Bhagwan Krishna? Because he is the avatar. He is the form of Paramatma to do even some more functions down here, set up dharma, you know, go through a crazy life and you know bring dharma truth and non-violence in people's life and set up things right so that way that is called as bhagwan now bhagwan is the word bhagwan is made up of made up of two words two dha, one, the, the real dhatu is bhaga and the meaning of bhaga and wan means the one who possesses bhaga bhaga means six qualities and those six qualities anyone who possesses those six qualities and out of those six those six qualities are like vairagya renunciation somebody who is worshipable somebody who is uh, you know has uh, a lot of uh, abundance and uh, prosperity and is set up set you know settler of dharma in the world now do not translate the word dharma into religion at all it's a wrong translation it's a non-translatable word dharma okay if you want to watch if you want to understand what is the difference between dharma and religion there is a separate video that i have made long back you can search on my uh, youtube channel and you can watch that so the one who is said so there are six qualities that bhagwan has and from that point of view, a lot of gurus, those enlightened gurus, were also termed as Bhagwan because they possesses they possessed all those six qualities. Lot of work, many of them were termed as Bhagwan. So you can say that we have Bhagwan is something that you know, guru is Bhagwan. At times, lot of people think of think that way because they possess those six qualities. Most of the Samadhi's guru, guru or enlightened gurus have those six qualities in them. So they can also be called as Bhagwan or time to time the avatars that we had in uh, our Sanatana Dharma, the Bhagwan Vishnu or uh, you know Ram or uh, Bhagwan Ram or you can say you know Varaha avatar or any any other avatar that has happened they all had they all are called as Bhagavan okay now what kind of population people 
gets attracted to one or the other. So a jnani, a seeker of truth, a lot of people, those who, who start their spiritual journey in search of wisdom, right? Jnana marga, jnana path, wisdom path of yoga. Those who start from that way, from that door, they usually are termed as jnani and they usually are much more about that in search of that nirgun and nirakar means the brahma aspect of uh, paramatma now in the end when one attains nirvikalp samadhi all three aspects they know that all three are one it's just the different functions of uh, the one and the same supreme being but when they start and they do not know then they are termed as you know i'm looking for wisdom i'm looking for gyan and the ultimate cause of bandhan is spiritual ignorance and ultimate cause of moksha or mukti is wisdom ultimate spiritual wisdom right so that's why gyan is very important so they get they are called as Gyanis or seeker of Gyan. And these are these were also the people, the Rishis, the Rishikas in Sanatana Dharma and Indian Vedic system, who wrote so much, who wrote so many scriptures, who wrote Upanishads, who wrote so much because they went on to the much more onto the side of, they were much more interested on to the just that unmanifest power which can manifest anything at any point of time. When Paramatma is when Brahma becomes Paramatma or is existing in the state of Paramatma. Through that Paramatma state, Brahma is able to manifest anything in this in this world, create this world, sustain this world. Right? All three states exist all the time. So Brahma, Paramatma, and Bhagwan, all three are existing at all times. It's not that when one exists, the other is not or uh, this exists and that one is not. No, it's not like that. So all of them are existing at all times, right? Still people pray to, or you know, are in bhakti with uh, Bhagwan Krishna so much, right? And, or may, many other avatars or gurus, those which, who were called Bhagwan, they were so much in bhakti with them. So that is the jnani or the wisdom seeker or the truth seeker. Those who start that way, they become much more inclined to to the Brahma. But then the population which becomes much more inclined towards Paramatma aspect or the state of Paramatma state which is more about creation, sustenance and then destruction and then all knowing and then you know omnipresent, omnipotent uh, and this and that, everything, all kinds of characteristics there are somewhere around I don't know. 54 characteristics in total that have been the called as the characteristics of Paramatma. So all those characteristics, you know, that they that population is considered as yogi. Because they are not only interested in the creator, they are interested in creation, sustenance, death, destruction, the entire mechanics and technical functionality of this entire universe and everything they want to know as well as they want to know Paramatma himself okay so they are called as yogis now those who are 
you know following a bhagwan or you know going towards bhagwan they are called bhaktas devotees devotion is the only thing that exists between what is the relationship between all of them so devotees have bhakti or devotion as a relationship between bhagwan and devotee that's the relationship that's the that's the way to connect to bhagwan so and you do not need a lot of science or technology when it comes to bhagwan right people can think of bhagwan as anyone or anything any guru, any guru could be a bhagwan parmatma any avatar could be a bhagwan or anybody you know so a lot of people respect their parents so much that they treat them like bhagwan we say like right we say our parents were like like god to us like bhagwan to us so that is what the difference between while a yogi and paramatma has a strict relationship of doing spiritual practices so it is with a jnani and the brahma so you see all these three population the reason bhakti is so much prevalent and you see bhaktas everywhere because one thing is that bhakti stops you from making doing lot of bad karma there's no doubt about it just think of it that way that so there are people who love and respect their parents so much that even when they had the chance to you know do something stupid or smoke a cigarette or you know drink alcohol or something they didn't do it thinking no my parents won't like it my parents will be hurt by that or that is not right in the eyes of my parents so i'm not doing it exactly just because of love if a person loves the other person he or she may be a lover or a spouse or you know brother or sister or friend or anybody you see in out of love a lot of people just don't do silly things stupid things and it may or may not create bad karma though but still there is some some barrier there right so in love there is a barrier exactly in the same way when somebody becomes a bhakta they don't do all kinds of you know bad karma at all that is one thing another most important thing to understand is it is only bhakti devotion which helps you surrender to the extent that you are able to jump into the unknown and attain nirvikalpa samadhi a lot of people those who are following the gyan marg find it very hard to have samarpan to have bhakti within to have surrender within because it's all about truth and suddenly there is a ego about you know knowing this knowing that and it it may you know stop a person from surrendering or stop a person from you know going into samarpan and without that samarpan that jump is into nirvikalpa samadhi into unknown is not going to happen you are not going to die for gyan you are not going to die ego when i say you i am referring to the you know that ego self that uh, fake self that you have not the atma the true self that you are not the atma so that fake self that you know mind body consciousness kind of a self uh, that ahem that ego it is not going to die or give up <laughs> if it is not for love 
or if it is not for devotion, not for bhakti. That is the reason you see lot of bhaktas around in the world, lot of devotees around the world, right? And they just do not want any kind of wisdom. Don't tell them, don't give them wisdom. They have surrendered already. While there are some who will not surrender. At first they want to know what is truth. So they will keep on pursuing their journey. They will find the truth. They will reach that level. And in the end when the time comes, even they will get into so much bhakti. And they will jump into Nirvikalpa Samadhi. From Savikalpa, they are able to jump into that Nirvikalpa. And it's a bhakti that is the most, most burning and most torturous thing. Torturous part of the spiritual journey, the bhakti part of it. So, Gyanama, you entered from the Gyan door. Some people enter from the Karma karma yoga path some people enter from the gyan yoga path wisdom yoga path some people enter from the kriya yoga path and some people enter from the bhakti yoga path but all four have to happen at the same time someday within you and when all four happens all at once that is when one gets enlightened okay so it's not that for lifelong you got a membership of karma yoga club or <laughs> you got a membership of gyan yoga club or bhakti club or something like that and you can retain that membership and you think you will be enlightened no someday bhakti generates gyan bhakti creates wisdom bhakti goes at the level of atma and that is when not only it becomes super torturous or because the ego is melting the him the identities starts melting starts dissolving and it's a pain it, it's a suffering in itself and then wisdom starts happening even to a bhakta that they are in samadhi this samadhi this is the truth and this is paramatma this is brahm and everybody so even bhakti has to bhakta has to go through gyan gyan and you know uh, wisdom and uh, kriya and karma path similarly all other three uh, types of uh, people also have to go through the rest of the remaining of the three uh, other kinds of uh, paths. So all, all, everything has to become one. But bhakti is considered as supreme because in the end it's the bhakti that will helps us surrender. Nothing else. Now bhakti could be with Brahma, with Nirakar. It does not matter which aspect you have bhakti to. Which you, some people love ice, some people love water, some people love you know vapors but you cannot exchange the functions you cannot take a shower use it through ice you cannot use ice to shower yourself or you cannot you know drink ice you can if you need water you need water you need where you need ice you need ice you you need ice and glaciers then we definitely for rivers and trees and environment we do need glaciers when we need uh, vapor and steam in the form of rain when it happens it happens and it's a necessary necessary thing it's a necessity so all three functions all three aspects of that one supreme reality are necessary okay and then you, you there's no fight saying oh you believe believe or you are looking for nirgun niraka there must be something wrong about you or that you are looking for a paramatma aspect and there must be something wrong about it or you must be looking at you know if you are a bhakta of a bhagwan or you are uh, you know just all the time into your bhagwan in surrender to your bhagwan then there must be something wrong about you no there's nothing like that there's nothing wrong about it okay or any you can start with any three aspects 
and in the end when nirvikalpa samadhi happens or enlightenment happens or when one attains moksha mukti then all three, you one one realizes all these three aspects very clearly one 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 has complete full understanding of brahm the nirgun nirakar the unmanifest aspect of god one has full understanding of creation sustenance and all these functions and all the characteristics of paramatma functional brahma is paramatma right so one has complete understanding of that and one also has complete understanding of bhagwan and in a way the one who attains samadhi they have they, they have all those six they possess all those six qualities so then in that term they become bhagwan not exactly the avatar kind of a bhagwan but still bhagwan because the only criteria to be bhagwan was those six qualities possessor of those six qualities and that exists in any samadhi guru or any person who has attained samadhi okay so this is what is the difference between these three aspects of one supreme reality one supreme self okay now let's talk about the word god <clears throat> a lot of time brahm translate people translate brahm as god people translate uh, parmatma as god people translate bhagwan as god people translate um, you know ishwara or parmeshwara as god well none of them can be 100% translated into the english word god none of them god is not the correct translation of any of these three aspects of god why god is an english word first of all okay just because english language does not have words for subtle aspects of life english language does not have you know words or terminology for uh, subtle dimensions of life so there's a lack of terms lack of words actually so in case of in because there is no other word we keep referring to we keep using the word god whenever we are referring to parmatma or brahm or bhagwan or parmeshwara then we are we keep using the word god because there is no other word to refer to and in somebody's eyes regardless of whether it's an english word or whatever it means at least in somebody's eyes even in the western or english cultures cult, english speaking countries or other abrahamic religion uh, religions at least god is somebody higher way up above than human beings right so in that way god word is used another thing that we need to understand is there are three abrahamic religions right it's christianity and uh, let's talk about christianity first so in christianity you see as per bible uh, jesus is a messenger oh sorry son of god right son of god is uh, means uh, then who is the god if he is the son if jesus is the son then their god is jehovah okay now christianity was created using another religion called as judaism so that is another abrahamic religion so if you look into the but if you look at the characteristic of jehovah the god whose son is jesus okay if you read all that then you will see that 
he comes little bit closer to our definition of Sanatana Dharma's definition of Bhagwan only. He does not come close to the definition of Paramatma when it comes to all 54 characteristics of Paramatma. And it definitely doesn't come close to at all when we, the way we define, uh, you know, Nirgun Nirakar Brahma doesn't come any close to that at all. Jehovah I am talking about. Then if you talk about, uh, so this was according to Bible. And that is why we say it's not a correct translation because none of the word fit, none of their, their God's characteristic match with Brahma or Paramatma or Bhagwan, 100%. There's no 100% match. There's no translation, exact translation. So God is not an exact translation. Now let's talk about another Abrahamic religion, Judaism. So their God is Yahweh. If you read uh, Torah, you will see Yahweh. And if you take some characteristics of, uh, if you think of all the characteristics of Yahweh, then you will see that, you know, some characteristics match Bhagwan. Uh, some of it match uh, with Paramatma as well, but definitely nothing matches with Brahm at all. And even in Paramatma, it's a, just a partial match. Even with Bhagwan, it's a partial match, right? And uh, uh, these, uh, you know, uh, three, and the third one is uh, Islam. So if you read Quran, then according to them, uh, Muhammad was the pagamber of, or the prophet, prophets are the uh, messenger of gods so then who is god god is allah now if you read about the characteristics of allah some will match bhagwan some will little bit of match you will find with parmatma again partial match no no hundred percent match so no hundred percent translation can be done that way right so no that that's why we say god and another thing in these three religions or you can say these are the only three main religions right Abrahamic religions so in these three religions there is no concept of seeking first of all there is no concept of you know spiritually enlightening enlightening yourself there's no concept of moksha or mukti there is uh, the concepts are very different of following a religion so e either the son of God has to come or messenger of God has to come and save the planet save the humanity or the son of the God has to come and die for everybody else's sin instead of making them responsible for their own deeds, their own actions, their own karma. No system of karma exists in those religions. So they are monotheistic religion, uh, unotheistic or monotheism, theistic uh, religions. So from that point of view, we say that we do not have God. Their system, entire system of God and everything is being controlled by either church or by, you know, Judaist uh, temples or by, you know, uh, Pope or, you see, by mosques, okay? So everything is, a lot of pollution happened in the Sanatana Dharma as well when, you know, temples took control, but still the wisdom of yoga, the wisdom of moksha, mukti, did not get polluted because it never came under the control of any kind of organization, centralized organization like you have Vatican and Pope sitting there in the Vatican and controlling all the churches and entire business, right? So that kind of a thing did not happen. So that's why the 
true wisdom of yoga and true purpose of moksha, the seeking, all the system of karma, the knowledge of all these things, that did not get lost. And the major credit of all these things not being lost goes to actually that parampara to go, to keep on the tradition, you know, to, for all these to survive, these traditions survived only because we, there are yogis who are practicing all this, who are experimenting on themselves and realizing the wisdom and the truth by themselves. Right? And uh, other than, you know, somebody else trying to tell you that this is this or this is that is that and this is how, this is what you should believe, this is what you should do, you should not do or these are the moral codes and social codes and this is this and that is that. No. You yogis experimented everything on themselves and they realized the truth that way. So that is why, because of those kind of people, those yogis, and another reason was a uh, lot of sannyasis that we have in India. So the entire sannyasi system, the official uh, renunciation system, does not come under any, um, what do you call that, any temple or, you know, any organization. There is one Akhil Bharti Akhada Parishad and uh, uh, that is what takes care of all different kinds of sannyasis and mart and there are lots of mart and there are lots of things. So the tradition, the real the tradition of seeking, attaining samadhi, enlightenment, self-realization survived. But in those three Abrahamic religions, they there is no such system. So that is why we say that what they understand as God, what is explained of God in those three is highly, is partially, you know, compatible to partially, it can be translated into what we have never fully. That is why we say we do not have God in our country. You're right, where we do not have gods in Sanatana Dharma. There is no god in Sanatana Dharma. We have Bhagwan, we have Paramatma, and we have Brahma, but there is no god. So, because of the difference between the two, but the English language does not have a word. How do you explain Brahma or Paramatma or uh, Bhagwan? Not everybody is uh, reading these terms or understanding these terms, and they go on referring to still the God as God and there's nothing wrong. There are a lot of Christians who pursue um, yoga and those who are truly a yogi, truly a seeker and they are on their way to find out the truth. There are lots of, uh, you know, people from Islam actually and uh, they are very much into the bhakti of Brahma and Paramatma and Shaktis and the way that system has been defined right exactly in the same way it's for a lot of uh, uh, jews as well that they are true yogis actually you know and seekers and they do understand those anybody who becomes serious about the spiritual journey of seeking and attaining moksha attaining uh, self uh, realization or enlightenment they really get into these terms and they try to understand what is brahma what is paramatma and what is, uh, you know, uh, Bhagwan? 
and they they understand it very well so i i have i'm making this video not to you know criticize any religion or anybody's religion or disrespect anything at all no i do not i do not have any respect for anybody's faith forget about you know having faith on any one god or anything people have faith in their parents people have faith in love people uh, have faith in uh, you know their gurus people have faith in on their parents so many people have faith in so many different things so nobody's faith is being you know disrespected here neither i am disrespecting or challenging any religion or anything all i am saying is what is the technical difference between the two these three four different terms that we go on using and the reason this is important is because in the next video i'm going to explain uh, what is exactly meant by uh, different kinds of muktis different kinds of mokshas that one attains when one realizes brahma when one realizes parmatma aspect when one realizes the bhagavan aspect okay different kinds of moksha mukti stuff that happens to be to those who attain or reach the nirvikalpa samadhi level okay so use your uh, intellect pure intellect to understand all these differences and it will help you understand uh, understand the different kinds of mokshas okay namaste jai shivaya Thank mm-hmm. you.